Hi, everybody. Welcome to Talking Cars with Consumer Reports. I'm Tom Mutchler. I'm Gabe Shenar. I'm Jake Fisher. We're going to start this episode with a question. Alex, Alex has been reading Consumer Reports for 40 years. <clears throat> Love him. Yeah, that, that's terrific. Thank you for that. His question is, have American cars really gotten better, or are you all transitioning out of your Japanese car phase? I haven't owned a U.S. nameplate in decades. Am I really missing something? Well, the truth is nothing really stays still in this industry. So I think the Japanese era that he's referring to is probably the era of domestic manufacturers keeping their head in the sand, not how, realizing... How do they keep their heads in the sand? Not realizing how good the competition is and uh, dismissing the Japanese competition. And I think now, luckily, with better management, uh, there is the, this era is over and domestic manufacturers have more than caught up. I, I think one of the big things is that, you know, the... the there's a whole different mindset, I think, with the American manufacturers. They have to be better. They have to be just as good or better. They can't make a car that's less expensive and not as good. And, and there was a, a famous, famous thing, and you, you could say it, but I mean, we've been told by automakers from American automakers that they can't really compete head-on-head -head with the Japanese or the, uh, the Europeans head-to-head -head because people weren't ready to actually pay that same dollar amount for American car. We've heard it a few times from um, domestic manufacturers, like, we're only Chevrolet, we can't do that. We're only Ford. Our customers won't appreciate that. Well, weren't you and, told once that <clears throat> they won't pay? You know, we can't, we can't compete with a Camry, we can't charge that much money. Right. And, Which is crazy uh, now because the Camry has one of the lowest transaction prices now of any car. You go buy a, you go buy a Ford Fusion, it's like buying a, an Audi. I mean, right? it's a lot of money. And we, we said to them, if you don't have any respect for yourselves, don't expect anybody else to have more respect for, for you than, than you, your own engineers and uh, planners. So uh, now we've seen a whole turnaround of that. I mean, Ford has turned this reality upside down. Now Ford products are more expensive than their competitors. I mean, they're, they're not even looking at Toyota. They're looking at Volkswagen and Audi. Right. Look at the Escape we just uh, we tested a year ago. That titanium, thirty-seven thousand dollars, highly equipped. Yeah, it's the same very, price as a Tiguan. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, to your point, everything is moving, and it's it's not the same deal anymore. They're actually building these cars price for price, feature to feature, performance for performance. Well, you know, they're even doing better. They're, you know, we're seeing a lot of Japanese cars. The features are being <clears throat> they're being decontented. Some of the interior trim isn't quite as nice. There's little odds and ends that you can't get, but you get in a domestic. Again, for the same price, you have all this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I was I was I was parked next to like a ten-year-old TL the other day, and I'm looking inside the interior. It's got the tufted leather, you know, it's got the stitching, and some of that stuff we don't see that anymore. No, it's gone. But but the, there's one other piece of that puzzle too, and especially when you look at like a brand like Chevrolet, it used to be, you know, what we can't make the Impala that good because we still got to pay. We got to we got to sell the Oldsmobiles, we got to sell the Pontiacs. We need to differentiate each one of these models, and now. There's no holding back. You know, we're making a, we're gonna make a Chevy, a Chevy Impala and I don't care if it's as quiet as a Cadillac and it's gonna be nicely finished, it's gonna be just as quiet and ride just as well. No holding back, no, that product differentiation, that just kind of really held them back. Yeah, I think, I think you start seeing this happening around 2007, 2008. I mean, <clears throat> to go back to, to, you know, again, I own a Dodge Durango in 2011. I don't think five years ago I could have bought an American car that would have been you know, as good. And, you know, I'm very happy with the Durango. You know, it, it's, it's a terrific product. You know, it's been in the last few years that you've seen this renaissance of, of really getting in the game. It's probably going to take a few more years for the public perception to catch up with that reality, though. 
I think the one issue, though, is that Japanese cars still win on reliability. They do. And, uh, and also, uh, I mean, one, one other thing is, is the, this pressure to make controls complicated. And uh, unfortunately, the domestic manufacturers are following some of the Europeans here rather than Japanese. Well, you know, some are, some are. You know, I mean, Q does, uh, Uconnect doesn't. You know, and right. even, even within GM's lineup, the MyLink for Indian Pal is easy. Q, Q's kind of a mess. You know, we get a lot of questions on Facebook of people who, they want to buy an American car. You know, our, you know, as Consumer Reports, we always think you should buy the best product first. But there are people who think, you know, they really want to buy an American car. Here's an example of a question. Uh, my wife has a 99 Chrysler Cirrus with only 78,000 miles. She loves it, but it's beginning to rust. What American or Canadian union built, that rules out Fusion, which is built in Mexico, compact or mid-size sedan would you recommend to replace it? Well, make sure you don't buy a car from uh, the southern states because they, they don't have unions there. Well, a lot or of the transplants don't have, have uni right. unions, yeah. And some of the Canadian plants do have unions. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, I mean, probably a Malibu, something like a Malibu or a Cruise. I mean, they're, they're yeah, built. Cruise is built in Ohio, and I think that's union. And, uh, uh, Malibu's Malibu is built in Kansas City, I believe. So, mm -hmm. yeah, they're, they're union factories. Malibu uh, would be a good choice. It's a quiet car. It rides very well. No matter what, it's time to get rid of a 99 Chrysler Cirrus. Absolutely. Another question. Love my Ford F-150. Husband dreams of having a mid-sized diesel truck. Is such a vehicle made in the USA? It will be soon. Very soon. A Ram 1500 with a diesel engine will be out in the fall. Right, and if you want one that's built in America, get any of the four-door ones are built in, in Michigan. Uh, the the two-door, the, the regular cab ones are built in Mexico. So yeah, you, you'll be able to do that. Uh, let's talk about some test results. We've been pretty harsh on Acura in recent podcasts. You know, the RLX, it's really just not a satisfying car. That car is, is a small market for them. They, they weren't planning to sell a lot of them there. But what we did test is the Acura MDX. Yeah, That's well, bread and butter. But that's also a different story. Right. I mean, the totally different story and, and, and good. Uh, when Honda concentrates on the mass market cars, the Accord, the CRV, the MDX, they put their resources where they belong and they, they turn out a pretty decent car. And the MDX is just pretty decent. It uh, is. I mean, there's some things, though, that you'll right. miss. I mean, you know, you go back a couple of generations with any of these Acura products back when they had. At conventional hydraulic steering, it, they, they, they had something about them. It was really direct, great response. That's been numbed down. I, I had the chance to drive a last generation and the new redesign back to back. And yeah, you, know, you definitely noticed that it had lost its sporty feel. I mean, other than that though, you know, for a lot of what people want, the new car, it's quieter, it rides better. You know, the controls suck. The controls. The controls, yes, the controls they that do suck. That make that you want to kill yourself. That, it does that, have that, which that, a lot of people want that. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, the one thing that uh, they totally uh, nailed it is the access to the third row seat. And uh, that button uh, with the release of the second row seat, uh, that should be copied by anyone who's That's making a great third feature. row seat. You know, a lot of cars, you pull a lever and you you have to wiggle the seat down or no, fold it and push it. And, that's no, one terrific. Button. That's really... The other thing that's impressive is fuel economy. You know, 20 mm -hmm. miles per gallon, you know, out of a not small SUV, you know, with plenty of power. That's commendable. Yeah, that's pretty good. Another SUV that we recently tested is the uh, Mitsubishi Outlander. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, here is proof that not all Japanese cars are good. 
or it, it even goes beyond that. This all right, is in, in this segment, we will talk about all the great features about it. The air conditioning uh, works very well. Great air conditioning. I was expecting to hear more crickets, but yes, the air conditioning. <laughs> and it has a, if you have to have a small SUV with a third row seat, only uh, game I, in town. I suspect this was designed for rental fleets because when you want to rent a car and you know you need that $8 a day car and I want an SUV with three rows of seats. <laughs> $8 a day There, there it is, you know. <laughs> the off, off, off airport rental. Right, exactly. <laughs> like in an alley off of Fort Lauderdale or something. You know, it, it feels, <laughs> next to the alligators, it feels, it feels so 2006. <clears throat> it feels like 1995. I mean, yeah. it, it just feels like an old, just, uh, actually, the previous generation Outlander was pretty decent. I like car. It was not yeah, We tested drove, two of those. It drove. Uh, it drove nice. It, it, it was, was fun. It was agile. You know, this one not at all, and it feels kind of cheap and noisy and insubstantial. The other thing is, you know, you can't talk about this brand without talking about, you know, sort of the death watch that's spiraling over. We don't want any companies to go out of business because the we don't want to lose the Evo too. You know, I mean, that's, yeah, but the that's old, all they have. You know, but it's worth it. Just <laughs> it's an old car now. I mean, the Evo's been out a long time. But you know, Mitsubishi sold less than sixty thousand cars last year. Um, other than the Evo, they have nothing to offer. No, it, they it, have it, nothing to offer the customer. I mean, it's like <clears> Saab. <throat> Saab didn't have anything to offer the customer. At least when Suzuki went under, they they at least had the Kazashi. It, it's not just an industry watch thing. When you're looking at cars, and you know, you could worry about whether that manufacturer is going to be around or not. I mean, I had a discussion. I remember a couple of years ago with a good friend of mine. And she was like, well, you know, I really like the SX4, the Suzuki SX4. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, you should really get a Subaru. And then she looked at it, she's like, oh, I got the SX4. And then, lo and behold, yeah, there's no Suzuki dealerships anymore. I got a warranty, but that's kind of... way to go. I mean, that happened with Mitsubishi dealers. They're, they're contracting. Yeah, so that's, that's something you got to consider when you're looking at a new car. Yeah, I mean, they, they need desperately a new injection of fresh product and competitive product. And their whole distribution is uh, in shambles. And dealers are, where do you find a dealer? Yeah, I mean, I don't think the Outlander's gonna, gonna turn around their fortunes. Uh, talking about some more uh, small utility vehicles, uh, we recently bought a Fiat 500L. There we it have, is. It's sitting here behind us. We also have a Kia Soul. This one is a early production uh, press model. The press embargo was just, just lifted, so we can talk about it. Also, we pay to borrow press cars, but I think Kia forgot this one, and it's... it's yeah, we kind of enjoy it, so, I mean... Yeah, it can stay here as long. <laughs> but, but Kia, if you're looking for your car, <clears throat> it's here. I like one of these cars much more than the other. That would be a hard guess. Well, would it? Would it I mean, what do you think <clears throat> of the Fiat? Oh, the Fiat, I think it's, the, it's cute and funky and all, but I think it's so flawed on so many levels that uh, it just makes it completely uncompetitive. I mean, the automatic transmission is awful. Well, it's not an automatic I mean, transmission. Yeah, it's not a manual right. transmission either, as you tried exactly. to convince us with the Focus a couple shows ago. Uh, it's right. the Euro the, twin clutch. Exactly, and it doesn't work very well. Oh, it it's makes the car terrible. feel unresponsive and, and unsmooth. The ride is stiff, you can't see the instruments. There is a huge amount of room in the car, which is uh, its only consolation, I think. You said you liked it. Well, you know, all, everything that you said about the car is true. Um, the thing about it, you know, and if you, look at it, if you look at it logically, I mean, the Kia Soul, that's the right car. I mean, it drives much better, it does everything better. It's much more comfortable to It's sit. more comfortable, it's, it's, it's a logical car. The thing about the Fiat, though, it, it, is, a, it is not like a normal vehicle. You know, you sit in... I mean, as it's not good. 
Exactly. I do not want to drive it. Exactly I want to walk. exactly the point that I'm going for here. But it's like, you know what, we drive so many vehicles here, you know, and there's, there's a lot in common with a lot of them. You get in that vehicle and it is very different. I mean, the, the fishbowl, um, I mean, one thing you need to mention is the visibility. The visibility is unbelievable because there's so much glass area that completely co goes around you. It just really, you know, it feels like something different. Something you know? different. Well, it's different that the, the check engine light was on when I backed <laughs> into the studio. It's different that the radio well, only doesn't different work as out an alien, you know. Oh, you well, mean different as an <laughs> interest? Look, I mean, you know, we could we could go talk about the score of a uh, Jeep Wrangler. I mean, we everyone knows we we score the Jeep Wrangler very low. However. There is something about the Jeep Wrangler that is just awesome to drive. I mean, I like driving that People car. People wave at you when you People drive a Wrangler. People wave, but it, but it, but it feels like off. it's something you different. You can take the roof off. Roof off. It, it's something different, and it's not boring. And that car is not boring. And for someone who's like, you know, they look at a smart car or something like that, they're like, ah, oh, it's really different and funky. That car has no reason. I mean, that car just doesn't really do anything well. This car, at least I could throw my kids in the back, I could fold down the seats and throw my mountain bike in there. I could actually use it and be in something that's kind of special. I mean, I'll, I'll give you that. Right. You know, this car is a very practical package. It has a, a usable back seat, it has plenty of cargo space. You know, ours was 25 grand with a whole bunch of features. But man, I don't like driving it. Ugh. The Kia Soul, on the other hand, I really like that. You know, and I never, I could envision myself owning that car. You know, the, 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 who knows if half the features that are on it will make it to production, or the, the baseball glove covered leather. Well, there's no question. Leather. I mean, uh, that is a nice car to drive. It is. It, it's, it's a better execution. The Kia Soul, it does all those things right. Um, but it is a little bit more conventional. I mean, there are hamsters that drive with you, but I mean, it is a more conventional They're wrapping hamsters. Well, they, they're, they're very clever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a more run-of-the-mill kind of a car, and you know, you're, you're used to see that. I mean, there's nothing unusual about it, but yeah, I mean, it does everything right. I mean, there's nothing really overly complicated about it, and regular automatic transmission, no, uh, right. no Techno gizmo here. So <laughs> no, but I mean, it doesn't have Beats by Dre. <laughs> I got, the, got the, those. Beat, the Fiat has a Beats yes. by Dre audio system. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's got some nice stuff. I mean, you know, this car has cooled seats, which is kind of rare for the class. You know, it's got a really nice nav system. You know, it's got some nice stuff. Yeah, but it's also probably twenty-five thousand dollars too. And and to be fair, the Soul's a lot smaller than the Fiat. Someone's asking, are we going to test the Honda Civic Hybrid and Civic Si? Well, by retesting the EX and uh, realizing all the changes there, I think uh, the bulk of changes happened to the base car, less so to the SI and the hybrid. But uh, what we learned from the EX, we can uh, we we can apply to the other ones. Yeah, it, it seems like the bulk of the changes were made to the EX, you know, the EX LX versions, the ones that everyone buy. They improved the ride, they improved the steering, interior uh, fit and finish, interior fit and finish. Um, but we, we've driven a Civic Si, we've driven a hybrid. Those cars didn't change as much. So, you know, we're pretty comfortable with, with where we are with those. Uh, they're also asking about testing a Subaru Forester XT, the top-level turbo version. Yeah, well, I mean, the top-level turbo version certainly gives you a lot more punch in that car, but um, it's a very, very small take rate. Um, the vast majority of those vehicles do not have the turbo. You know, we always get into this with the different uh, engine variants. I mean, I personally would like to get, you know, the you know, M, M version of every BMW and the 63 version of every AMG Mercedes. But and you want everything with a stick. And I would like to do everything with a stick, so, right. um, you know, sometimes we do have to make choices and, you know, with such a small player, um, you know, you look at the, the Ford Escape, for instance, mm -hmm. you know, there's the 2 liter and the 1.6 turbo, 
Um, much higher take rate, a lot of people are buying that two liter, so we felt it was really important to test that vehicle and see how it performs. Right, but not so much with the Forester. That's right. One more question we have. If you don't floor a car once in a while, will the parts inside the engine get destroyed over time? I've never had this problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's funny that, that very few of us have, have suffered from this. Uh, I think the key is to keep the engine warmed up to mm, operating temperatures and then you avoid all the uh, pitfalls of oxidation in the oil and such. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the key. It, it, right. It's not so much you gotta go and you know, romp around it, right. but if you're one of those people that are taking these short trips and you're not really letting the engine warm up, then you need to either do this or take a longer trip every once in a while and let the car heat up. And hopefully that trip will have a merge on a highway. You know, you get into it 50 or 60%. Or well, some street racing. You never know That's what's going to happen these yeah, days. The drag race. Stretch its legs every now and then. <laughs> yeah, but you, you don't need to floor it just to... No, to normal driving, no. It's not necessary. Yeah, just make sure it gets up to temperature. So that's going to finish up this episode of Talking Cars with Consumer Reports. Thank you for listening. 